Wasn't it great? Uh, so good. Thank you, worship guys. And also, thank you to... Can we give our media and sound guys uh, a round of applause? <laughs> Serving so faithfully in the hidden places and making things tick. We love you guys. Bless you guys. Thank you for what you do. Uh, I could have just lingered there all the time. I was like, do I need to talk? I was about to say to the worship guys, let's just carry on. Let's just carry on. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Thomas, and I have the, the privilege of leading Inverness Vineyard Church along with my wonderful wife, Mary, who's away with our, our wee boy somewhere as well. So, uh, so good to have you with us. This is the part of the service that we're going to open up God's Word, and uh, we're starting, we started a new series called Every Day with Jesus. Uh, so we're picking up with that series. We feel just really passionate in this next season about looking at the day-by-day -day rhythms and just being more alert to our everydays and that the Lord wants to use us and speak in the small and the little things and just as we go about our everyday ordinary lives that the Holy Spirit wants to use us. So uh, we're going to be continuing that series this morning and I'm feeling quite fired up. I've been to the Scottish Vineyard National Conference so I'm high as a kite. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. So I feel really excited and expectant. It was a wonderful time in Aberdeen. Good, uh, and I know a crew from Inverness came as well. And there's a few of them that are serving this morning as well after a late end last night. So uh, it's good. It's good. Why don't we pray before we start? Thank you, Jesus, for every single person who's here this morning. Thank you that you love us relentlessly. You know everything about us. And we just open our hearts afresh to you as we read your word. Would we be reminded of your love? Would we be reminded of your faithfulness? Would you reframe our perspectives? Would you put worry in its rightful place this morning? Would you use us as we leave this place? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There is a pastor in America called Erwin McManus. A few of us might have heard of him. He's got a book called The Barbarian Way. It's a little tiny book. It's a lot of good stuff in it. He says this, if I know nothing else about you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I know this without question. There is within you a raw and untamed faith waiting to be unleashed. When we come to the living God, he consumes who we are and he gives us life that is fueled by his presence. You, we, have been recreated to live in a raw and primal spirituality. Jesus came to ignite a fire within you that would consume you and ignite you. Jesus the King came to fight for your heart. Such a good quote, isn't it? Such a good quote. We are continuing the series uh, every day with Jesus. And I've called this talk, we should have it up on the screen as well, Just Like Jesus. Jesus met a lot of people in his earthly ministry. And I want to look at one particular encounter this morning. What happened and what we can learn for our everyday. That the Holy Spirit would ignite a fire in us today as we go about the week ahead. So we're in John chapter 4 this morning, and I am going to ask, who am I going to ask? That's easy. Mary, you've got a baby. I can't ask you. Emma, as if you haven't been doing enough, why don't you be our Bible monitor? Let's give a wee cheer to Emma. Yes. It's an esteemed position. I do not hold the responsibility lightly when I give it away. 
if that makes sense. If you've not got a Bible, put your hand up and we'll get a Bible to you. If you've not got one at home, we'd love you to have a Bible at home as well. Take it as a gift from us. So John chapter 4, and we're starting at verse 4. It will be up on the screen as well. So it's Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. Now he had to go, and on these Bibles it's in page 801, 801. So uh, you can pick it up quickly. So verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob. Uh, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I don't, won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. You can imagine that mic drop moment, can't you? Amen. Amen. Three, there's three things I want to unpack this morning as we look to live in the everyday for Jesus. Uh, firstly, he goes where no one else go, where nowhere else, no one else goes. He knows what no one else knows. It's a real tongue twister. And finally, he loves like no one else loves. So firstly, Jesus goes where no one else goes. My very first job as a 16-year-old uh, lined up by my mother was at Safeway. So this is pre-Morrison's, good old Safeway. A few people are nodding, solid first job there. That's good. And uh, so I would stack shelves. But I remember the first day 
and they had none of the ties left at Safeway, and I had to wear a bow tie. So I said, there's no ties left, stick on this bow tie. So there I am, 16-year-old, already like super self-conscious, knowing that my mates would be in, and I'm like stacking shelves with a bow tie, looking like I belong to the circus or something, you know. It was just super, super awkward. And I remember being called into the office with another newbie, and we were going trolley hunting. <laughs> I thought, great, that'll be a good sky, we'll get the afternoon off, we'll go and hunt for some trolleys. Trolleys would get stolen almost daily by people who just used them to go home and then just leave them and they would uh, dump them or kids just running away with them. It was all before the whole pound thing came into play. It doesn't happen so much now. So I thought it'd be a good couple of hours away, but then they spoke about what we needed to wear to go trolley hunting. And uh, they had waders and they had a rope. I'm sure health and safety-wise, a 16-year-old doing this, looking back, maybe wasn't the best. But uh, it was getting less exciting at this point when they were describing that. And to top it all off, it was at a place at the end of the river that no one else would pass because it, was, it just smelled absolutely rotten. It just wasn't pleasant at all. It was well known it was to be avoided. And uh, going to school, actually, you would avoid this side of the river. You'd jump a fence to kind of just not go near this particular part. Uh, and I kind of thought, I'm here to just pack tins on a shelf. What am I doing in waders? Why am I going to a river to pull out trolleys? But the following Saturday, I was there, edge of the river with another guy, and then stepped into the river. I mean, it was really unpleasant. We got four trolleys from the end of the river. Uh, it wasn't my greatest day, but uh, we had to do it. It was character building. It was freezing, and the waders leaked. And it wasn't a place that I ever wanted to visit again. And thankfully, never visited again. No one else wanted that gig for obvious reasons. You can imagine when the time comes, it's like, give it to the newbies. Give it to the newbies. So that was an experience. You know, I think if Jesus was at Safeway, he'd be all over that. The place that no one else wants to go. He'd be first in line going where nobody else wants to go. Because those places are often the places where his rescue plan comes alive. We see that in this passage. We see in the place of Samaria, we read in verse 4, he had to go through this place. Now looking at commentators who have researched this passage, by departing for Galilee and heading northwards, going via Samaria was shorter, but was to be avoided by Jews linked to their history because Jews were deported and there was intermarriage between foreigners and Jews, which created a mixed race. The people in Samaria, the Samaritans, were seen and considered impure and to be avoided as Jews believed their fellow Jews had betrayed their people and their nation. So Jews didn't go there. They avoided this place, but Jesus went. And we read also and in verse 6b, in the second 6b, the second part of verse 6, it reads this. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, this was a time affectionately known, well, Mary and I call whenever, I mean, it's been a long time since we went abroad, but it's affectionately known as the heat of the day. And we usually sing a little song, it's the heat of the day, or just silly little uh, things that we have, but we would avoid the heat of the day because I would just fry. So we would stay in between 12 and 3. I would just, yeah, I don't cope well with sun. As you know, anything over 14 degrees, I stay inside. 
So I don't cope well with going abroad. But this was a really hot time. This was a, real, this was a time that uh, Jesus walked, actually, and was weary. He was showing his humanness. And he was at the well at a time when no one else would be there. It would be scorching. No one would go to the well at noon. But Jesus did. People went to the well at the cooler times of the day, early morning or late at night. The Samaritan women went at this time because it was the quietest time. Do you ever go to places because it'll be the quietest time so you can avoid people? <laughs> or you think it'll be a bit quieter? It'll, you know, this is the reason the Samaritan woman did this. And no one could give her a hard time. No one would see her because of her reputation. And here we have a divine appointment. Jesus goes where no one, no one else goes at a time when no one else goes. And then we see the woman in verse 7, a Samaritan woman in a public place. You wouldn't speak or even look at a woman in this context at this time. You wouldn't even share dishes with a Samaritan. It was ceremonially unclean. But Jesus did. In verse 9, with the woman's reply, she even reiterates, what on earth are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? This doesn't happen. This isn't meant to happen. Even husbands wouldn't speak to their wives in public. So we see there are three situations in this encounter with a common theme. What the world says or what the expectations are or what the culture paints as what we do to keep your standing. Where folks say, oh, you just wouldn't go there. But Jesus steps in to that space. Do you remember the bands, What Would Jesus Do? WWJD. I think we need to resurrect them. I'm calling for a resurrection in those bands. Maybe carve out a wee bit of church budget and put some at the table. I don't know. We need to remember what would Jesus do in our everyday situations. When people point over to that work colleague or at an induction or at a training event and a new job, don't, don't bother with that person. Nobody bothers with that person. But Mary's going to bother, bother with that person. Or on your street... When your child has a friend inviting you to a house that you've heard, oh, you don't want to go to that house. A bit of a reputation, a bit, bit wild. But George and Emma go to that house because nobody else goes to that house. Or you're going out on Friday night in Inverness and you're helping with street pastors. And you know Friday night is the craziest time to go out. You know you're statistically more likely to have confrontation. And Steve goes I'm going to go out on Friday night because no one else is taking that shit because that's what Jesus would do. You can see the picture that I'm trying to paint. Jesus goes where no one else wants to go, and he calls us to go and do the same in our everyday. He goes to Samaria at noon and speaks to a Samaritan woman to show us all those things are crazy at that time. But we are to do whatever we are called to. The mess, the heat, the opinions are not to sway us in the little and in the large, in the exciting and in the mundane, to go where no one else dares to go and go as Jesus did. I wonder what that looks like for each of us. Maybe we can think of situations or spaces that we know actually the Lord is calling us into, but we went, no one else is stepping in there. Don't know if I, don't know if I will. And this morning, maybe the Lord's just nudging you. Well, the world says, no, don't go there. What would Jesus do? What is the everyday moment and space that the Lord's inviting you into in your everyday? 
With Jesus living, we say yes when everyone else says no. So Jesus goes where no one else goes. Secondly, Jesus knows what no one else knows. Now, I'm going to say the words, I'm sorry, Christmas is drawing in. People are cheering. It's good. I love it. I love it. Uh, I got a Christmas magazine <laughs> randomly for Mary. I just thought, yeah, she's shaking her head just because it drew me in. I was like, yes, Christmas. Christmas crafts and ideas, and we'll never do any of them, but it just gets you in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> One thing I both love and hate about Christmas is Secret Santa. Anyone else? <laughs> Secret Santa, we, uh, we do it with friends and family, and we've had a few occasions through the Christmas holidays with positive results, I am pleased to say, with Secret Santa. But, uh, I mean, I've had a lovely wallet, I think I got last year. I got some nice whiskey, got some nice chocolate. Uh, fairy lights, I always get some fairy lights as a little joke present because I speak about fairy lights all the time. But other times, it's completely missed the mark. Uh, we were at, uh, many years ago, our small group when we were in Aberdeen, done Secret Santa, we went out for dinner. And somebody in our, well, I knew who it was because the present, as I opened it, everyone else got really cool presents. And I was like, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? I can't wait. Open, I was the last person to open up. And it was a framed photo of the person who was my secret Santa. <laughs> Just like this. And it was so awkward. It was so awkward. Like, I didn't know what to do. I like, oh, cheers. <laughs> like, I would keep it and put it up in my mantelpiece. And then I told a couple of my other friends about that. And then the following year, I got a photo cube from my other secret Santa the following year with multiple photos of the guy who was my secret Santa doing the same thing. So it's been hit or miss with Secret Santa. Now, why am I telling you about Secret Santa? The thing is, I always want to know who got my Secret Santa. I want to know. And that was very easy in those examples. But the other ones, I want to know. No one knows but the person. Jesus knows what no one else knows. He knows what no one else knows. His insight is unlike anything that we know. He knows your secret Santas. But more importantly, he knows everything about us. I love Psalm 139. We've not got time to read through it, but have a read of that. Wonderful Psalm, which reiterates that great truth, that great comfort that we can rest in each of us. He knows us. He knows us. He knows what no one else knows. He knows the dreams that are here in our hearts. He knows the insecurities in our hearts. He knows the secrets. He knows the struggles. He sees it all. And as Jesus goes where nowhere else goes, he's engaging with the Samaritan woman. And after Jesus asks for a drink and the Samaritan woman questions him, we read in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And this woman doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. In verse 15, she's thinking of, water, like streams, fresh spring water, not typically, you know, water from a well. But what Jesus is doing after initially going where no one else would go, he's speaking into our heart. He's speaking into our heart. And then we see in verse 16 and 17, Jesus bringing supernatural insight into this woman's life. He knew what went on in her life, why she was an outcast, what had happened, but also the deepest pains and hurts that caused her to live as she does. John Stott in his commentary says, he knew of the relational desert 
in which she was living. She was lost. She was living in a desert place. She needs living water. Where it was not uncommon for women to have three husbands at that time, she had five and another partner, six men that she had been with. As well as Jesus revealing this way of her life, I would like to suggest he was also showing very clearly the rejection that she felt, the lostness that she was living in. As women couldn't divorce men at that time, men had to. So five men said, no, you're not worthy. I don't want to be with you. She was empty, lost, alone. And this revelation must surprise her and probably rock her when Jesus speaks to her, but she doesn't show it as her response in verse 19 changes the subject, possibly in defense. And then we see in verse 20, Jesus replies, and the woman speaks of when he comes, he will explain everything. And Jesus replies, I am he. The mic drop moment. God is before her very eyes through his son, Jesus. Jesus knows every longing of our heart, every pain and every bruise, every mistake and every mark of shame. He knows it all. And he knows it not to increase that, but he longs for us to simply bring it to him. Bring it to him. He died on the cross for all of that. Not to hold on, but to live in freedom. We were praying about that as a team this morning. Would your freedom come in this place? For this woman, just imagine what she would have been feeling at that point, rejected and shunned. And then Jesus, King of Kings, Almighty God, caring and lovingly engaging with the one that no one else goes to, that no one else wants anything to do with. She has seen, she has listened to, she has spoken to, she is visible. He's bringing water to the desert place of her soul. He wants to engage with us, every part of us this morning. But not only that, by His Spirit right now, we are equipped with supernatural power. God uses us in the everyday as He knows what no one else knows. And He uses us by gifts of words of knowledge and gifts of prophecy. And the difference is what the person will know of that situation. So, of words of knowledge, it might be a name or a phone number or something significant or a date. And it's words of knowledge because the person receiving it will already have knowledge of the word that they have received. And then with prophetic, there's an insight into something that we don't know. Often leads into another. Often God earns people's trust with words of knowledge and then prophetic insight will come following that to feel seen and known by God. And then uh, His Spirit will give us prophetic insight into the future or godly wisdom into the present that they haven't seen. We get to do the stuff. We get to do the stuff. And we often let it pass us by. Every day with Jesus, people say yes to the interruptions, yes to the nudges, yes to the prompts and the picture drops and that, oh, what was that? And throws them out in faith. The more we throw out, the more we get okay with getting it wrong. I often say from the front, I would rather have 100 times of doing it and 99 are just my own coffee-fueled thoughts. And then there's that one moment that just speaks right into the inner depths of somebody's soul that God has gifted me to use me with that, that cha dramatically changes the path of someone's life. I felt as I, I was preparing, 
yesterday when we were at the conference, there was a little uh, thing. The building we were at was incredible. And in the toilets at each door, they had like, what's coming up this week at church? And the toilet doors, I was like, that's handy. You can take a wee picture. And <laughs> but there was a bit just as I was washing my hands, and it had the current sermon series. I mean, they even had that in the bathrooms. And uh, one of the lines that just really caught me was, uh, that was then, this is now. And that's, that was their preaching series. And I just felt that was a word. I felt it was, it's just really spoken to me. And I just want to throw it out there for us. That was then, this is now. There's some of us here this morning, and we've been hurt. We've been disappointed. We've been let down. And I just feel the Lord wants to breathe in fresh hope into our souls this morning. That, that was then, this is now. And he wants to begin a new story in our hearts to be used by him. So I'm just throwing that out there to uh, hopefully encourage one or two of you. And we're going to get an opportunity to practice as well in a little while. So that'll be fun. People are going <laughs> sliding down the chairs. Get back up. Finally, Jesus loves like no one else loves. I can imagine the words Jesus says to the woman, I am he. As I said, I can imagine the EastEnder drums kicking off. You know, I don't watch EastEnders, but we all know the drums. Do, 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 do. That's the way that when I read that, it kind of happens. Jesus loves and listens and values, reveals he's the Messiah to a woman, not his disciples, and everything changes. Verse 28, very striking. She leaves the water jar. Significant, not a wee plastic cup here. This was an essential to everyday living. And there's a lot, there's a, a wee bit of learning in that. When we meet Jesus, our lives are shaken from the inside out, and we realize what's important. We, we desire to chase after him. Philippians 3, 7 to 9 says, yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung, that's what the message version says. I dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind of that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I give up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, to be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. We see in verse 39, this woman after this encounter, she gossips the gospel. She shares what's happened. Many people came to know Jesus through her. And this is also significant. For her to share her testimony would have been a massive thing. She would have to be present and visible and heard and speaking to folk. Just see the contrast there. The beginning of the passage, she's out of the heat of the day. No one else would see her. To being in a place where she's telling, I have met the Messiah. He's changed my life. John Tyson, in his book, The Burden is Light, says this, and I'm going to close with this. Buried beneath our reservation, our guilt, our curiosity, and our hesitation, is an innate hunger for a passion that we can give ourselves fully to. Deep in our souls, we long for something or someone to wake us from the slumber of our late modern culture. Underneath the chit-chat, bills, work drama, hobbies, and church events is a gnawing need for a cause worthy enough to give our lives to. Every day, 
with Jesus' people, love like no one else loves. We shared, uh, our East Kilbride Vineyard shared the story. Uh, they, a recent church plant, they got a little shop front in East Kilbride in the shopping center. And it's quite a deprived area. And they noticed a group of guys who have lifestyle issues being moved, like moved on from the bus stop and moved on from when they're hanging outside shops. People would just come out and, and just say, move along. You're not allowed to congregate here. And uh, they had the idea of putting out a few chairs just outside their wee shop front. They've got a wee community hub place. And these guys got to sit and not be moved on. And to be heard and to be listened to. All their lives, they've been told, not here. And that just really spoke to me. To be Jesus' people, we love like no one else loves. We love like no one else loves. Who are the folk that we are to love in the everyday, that we are to leave some stuff behind for? And some of us know the Holy Spirit is on our case. We know the people. We know the situation. And the Lord wants to deposit faith in our souls this morning. Some of us, perhaps some of us are just so busy this morning that we just don't get to see it. And I believe that the Lord just wants to speak into that. And then just finally, some of us, perhaps, we just feel dry in the everyday. We feel like we're in a rut and we need a fresh touch of God's Spirit. Why don't we stand together? And we don't have a lot of time at all. So what I'm going to do, if you know, I really felt those three things in particular. Some of us, we know the Holy Spirit is on our case. We know the people. We know the situation. And the Lord wants to deposit faith. Secondly, some of us, we're just so busy and we don't see it. And we're like, Lord, I want to, I want to see the people. I want to see the spaces. Show me. And we need to respond this morning to that. And then just finally, we just feel dry. We just feel dry. And we're in a rut. And we know we just need the Lord. So if you know that's you, come on down. Just come on down. Sound like a game show host. Come on down. Come on down. We would love to pray with you. We would love to pray with you, and we'll get folk from church family just to gather around you. We'll just come down to the front as uh, the worship band will come up, and we'll sing a last song. So just start coming down if you know that is you. Holy Spirit, would you just continue what you are doing in and through us? We want to see you in every day, Lord. might want to just wait until we start worshiping that's totally fine as well but I really feel there's a few folk uh, those three things and it would be our honor to pray with you the Lord wants to continue doing what he started this morning so I'll just wait here and Mary will wait here as well
Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you, God, for yeah, your goodness and just for speaking to us, God. Thank you. As we continue, Lord, just to go about our day and go off into our tough holidays, Lord Jesus, I just pray that um, yeah, this message will just yeah, keep with us, Lord, and thank you for being with us, Lord, to continue to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a special end to our service. Um, happy Sunday, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your day.